0: hey folks thanks for tuning in today is episode 23 for all the michael jordan fans out there we're going to keep working through the sermon on the mount this is a particularly hard topic to get exactly correct it's judging others so you know i hate to keep saying this it's another common thing mistaught misinterpreted and misrepresented so i want to go through this with a fine tooth comb to make sure we really pin down what judgment is, but also how people perceive judgment in relationship to not only the verses we're going to go over, but other verses in Scripture. So, again, we have to understand the entire section. We can't just cherry-pick verses, and we have to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. So, we'll try to get a grip on exactly what we're supposed to judge and avoid judging, because we have to look at both things, right? What is right judgment, and what kind of judgment should we avoid? so let's dive into today's lesson and try to get a full understanding on this whole judgment thing matthew 7 1 through 6 says judge not that you not be judged for by the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it it will be measured to you why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but don't notice the log i'm sorry you don't notice the log in your own eye Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye? (laughs) Excuse me. It just, it cracks me up. When there's a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not, now this is, this is tough. We'll, we'll touch on this. Kind of seems like there's a little bit of a change of cadence here, but we'll kind of separate and go through everything. Christ continues to say, do not give to dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before swine or pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So, what I like to do, the dictionary, commentaries, original manuscripts, all that. So, let's hit the definition. The definition of judge is to form an opinion about something. Some synonyms of the word judge are allow, believe, conceive, consider, deem, esteem, fool, excuse me, feel, figure, guess, hold, imagine, reckon, suppose, and think. Now, as I went through those synonyms, do any of them sound like sin to you? Does any of those synonyms sound like a sin to you? Of course not. It's because judging isn't a sin by literal definition. Now, where I think the confusion lies is the misuse of the word judge or the misunderstanding of the word judge. I personally see people use the word judge when they really mean condemn but again words mean things and there's there's the tra- there's the original Bible is in Greek and Hebrew so when you take high context languages and apply it to modern low context English language it's you're gonna run into problems like this because people will perceive they'll read it literally without understanding the original, root of the word in its context and then they just misunderstand it. So I think most people, when they get hung up on the word judge, what they really mean is condemn. So now truth be told, think about it. We have to make judgments all the time as human beings, even to make simple decisions throughout the day. That's not the judging Christ is talking about. In today's verses, Jesus is not saying don't judge at all. He is saying don't judge hypocritically. He's saying make sure that that specific sin isn't in your life before you try to help someone towards repentance, before you rebuke them, before you offer reproof, or before you offer biblical conviction. Now, we we know that Jesus doesn't mean don't judge at all, because when we look at other verses, we see judgment authorized and advocated for. John 7, 24 says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So there you have it judge with right judgment. Now, regarding judgment, the following information was taken from a scholarly commentary. Jesus did not prohibit the judgment of others. He only requires that our judgment be completely fair, and that we should only judge others by a standard we have for ourselves. So again, a warning against hypocrisy. Now, we know that, excuse me, now that we know we're supposed to judge rightly, we must then have to ask, What other judgment is prohibited by God other than judging someone hypocritically and judging someone by how they look physically? Now, let me stop there. Physical attributes are different than dress and apparel. The verses about do not judge appearances, but judge with right judgment, it was specifically in the context of circumcision, which is physical attributes. That's not the same thing as inappropriately dressed people in church. So when you say, Not to judge someone physically, that doesn't mean tattoos on their face, you know, a bunch of, I don't know, skimpy outfits, um, Satan uh, pentagrams or jewelry, all those mean something, right? Now, it doesn't mean judge where their soul is going to go, but you have to look at people, how they present themselves, because you may be in a situation in the world where you, you could see someone that clearly looks like a threat or a danger to you. And you have to make a judgment to protect your well-being. And you never, especially with people you don't know. Now, if you know somebody and you know, they're a Christian and you know, they're in the process of becoming sanctified. Well, that's different, but, you know, physical attributes are not the same thing as dress and apparel and jewelry and all, you know, a lot of these things that the Bible warns about that are of pagan origin. Now I'm going to kind of just leave that at that, right? Like, If we're going to call ourselves Christians, we got to be careful not to participate in pagan things, right? So, we don't judge by physical attributes, and we don't judge hypocritically. Now, to continue looking at what we shouldn't judge, Hebrews 4.12 says, "...for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here we see that discerning, which is judging by the way, again, judging and discernment is different than condemnation. So we're told that discerning the thoughts and intentions are reserved for the incarnate word of God only, which is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Now, to clarify, the written word of God also has a judgmental element to it because it lets us know what right and wrong looks like. However, it doesn't matter which form of the Word of God someone is referring to, whether it's the written form or the incarnate form, we as human beings are not allowed to judge people's thoughts, intentions, or the heart. That is strictly for Jesus only. So, the following things are what we've got so far that we're not allowed to judge. We're not allowed to judge hypocritically. We're prohibited from judging someone's physical attributes or their physical body, and we are prohibited from judging the thoughts and intentions or the hearts of others. There's more though. So as you can see, judging is far more restrictive than just freely judge. It's like there's regulations on judgment. So we have to look at passing judgment and then to clarify what condemnation is. So passing judgment is to act as arbiters in the matters of common life. Now the matters of common life are to be handled at the individual level for those who are single, unless they ask for help, of course, right? So we don't get in people's chili, per se, regarding the matters of common life. What we do is we tackle ethical and moral issues as pr- as pr- our primary focus, right? Not, arb- not being the arbiter of common life. Now, the matters of common life within a marriage are to be handled differently because there's headship and the hierarchy of authority involved in a biblical home. Now, we'll do a specific marriage series that I'm, I'm going to, We'll go through all the verses, the roles, the functions, the original manuscripts, we'll tackle that. But just understand that matters of common life really have to pass through, you know, the authority in the home. That's that's what authority is. It regulates what enters and exits the home in some sense, right? That's what the part of protection is. So condemnation now, now we know what passing judgment is. Condemnation is to render someone condemned... Or to declare them as guilty and deserving of punishment. So as an example of condemnation, someone could say, Ah, you're going to hell. Well, we're not allowed to condemn. And we're not allowed to say that anybody's going to hell. That's not our business. Our business is to spread the gospel, offer someone the good news, and let them know that there is atonement for their sins through trust, conviction, action, and obedience to Jesus Christ. So just as a hypothetical question regarding condemnation, do we say to Jesus, yes, yes please punish us when we sin? Of course not. So we shouldn't do that to others, right? The destination of someone's soul is not our lane to judge. Now to cover other examples of wrong judging, the following information was taken from a scholar, excuse me, a scholarly commentary. There's six ways they they also summarize some additional examples of wrong judging. So number one, we break this command when we think the worst of others so i've said this a million times give people the benefit of the doubt and always assume stupidity before malevolence yes there's malevolence in the world the chances of you coming across direct malevolence in the united states of america is relatively low um depending on where you live of course so if we're in conflict with someone don't just jump straight to malevolence like assume this person must be misunderstanding something so if we're going to assume anything assume The benefit of the doubt assume that they're ignorant rather than malevolent number two we break this command when we only speak others of their faults so you have to balance right like yes everybody's got faults and yes we should all strengthen each other and ideally where i'm strong at is where someone else could be weak at so i'm going to help them where they're weak at by my strength but they're going to be stronger in something than and it could be something I'm weak at. So then they can help me with their strength to help with my weakness. So the idea within the Christian community is, yes, pay attention to each other's faults. But the faults aren't the primary, right? I mean, you have to look at someone through their strengths and their weaknesses. And that's part of what judging rightly is. You have to look at things with an even mind, without resentment, right? Right. Even in lieu of people making mistakes and sinning against us, no resentment or we're not going to be forgiven. That's just what Jesus says. Number three, we break this command when we judge an entire life only by its worst moments. So there are times, there's a psychologist, he's a brilliant guy. Everybody saw his spiritual journey unfold online and they've judged him for it, probably more harshly than necessary. But he says there are moments in life where people will take a trip into the underworld. Now, from an Old Testament standpoint, that was Jonah and the whale. It was a trip to Sheol. It was a place of distress and suffering. It wasn't literally hell. And that's why we have to look at things from an allegorical standpoint, which is one of the interpretations of scripture. So if someone makes a bad decision or is a victim of circumstance, which is, it happens, they could have terrible moments in their life or maybe unhealthy unhealthy coping patterns and We can't judge someone's entire life based on the worst moments. What we should really do is try to reach our hand in there and help pull them from the belly of the whale. Because that's what Christ does by saving, right? So we help people who are in hell in some sense. Hell on earth rather than, than the eternal lake of fire. So number four, we break this command when we judge the hidden motives of others. So that again goes back to intentions. We are not allowed to judge the thoughts, intentions, or the hearts. That is for the word of God, only Jesus Christ. Number five, we break this command when we judge others without considering what it would be like to be in their shoes. So that's, a, that's a, an invitation to mercy and compassion, right? We have to look at someone and we have to say, what would it be like being in their shoes? How would I handle that stress objectively? I have to look at this objectively, right? Not subjectively. You look at this with an even mind and then you offer mercy and compassion given the circumstances of their life. And then again, you reach in and help. It's all about helping people get out of suffering, mitigate suffering, bring them to Christ, right? Number six, we break this command, we judge others without being mindful that we ourselves will be judged. Again, another warning of hypocritical judgment. We have to live by the same standards we expect others. And in a perfect world, we're all going to live by biblical standards, right? So ideally... Yes, let's live by God's standards, but if you have a sin in your life, you can't rebuke other people for that sin. You have to get the log out of your face first before you worry about that person's specific sin. Right? No hypocrisy. So now that we know what not to do, this begs the question, what are we allowed to judge? So by process of elimination, the only thing we're allowed to judge is speech and behavior. The reason for that is because speech and behavior are external but they're external without judging someone's physical attributes. And if you think about it, speech and behavior is what turns life into hell. If everybody spoke correctly and behaved properly from a a biblically moral and ethical standpoint, there wouldn't be any suffering. If everybody played by God's rules, there wouldn't be any suffering in this world because we would all be focused on mitigating suffering and living in harmony. So speech and behavior needs to be the focus of our judgment. Now, We still must be very careful not to interpret the intentions behind speech and behavior. And we have to remember that mercy triumphs over judgment. That's James chapter 2 verse 13. For those of you who don't know, James was the brother of Jesus. Now I will say this again to drive this home regarding judging speech and behavior, not judging intentions, and mercy triumphing over judgment. Always assume stupidity and ignorance before malevolence. That is where mercy and compassion is triumphant over judgment. Now, the way we're told to handle speech and behavior issues by God is to tell someone when they've sinned against us. It's very simple, right? Confront the problem and try and solve it. If the person won't repent, then you bring some friends or family who are Christians and you try again to solve it. By a community... A small group intervention in some sense, right? Hey, this person's sinning against me, but they won't repent. And I would like the sinning to stop. And if the group intervention doesn't work, then Christ says go to church leadership. Now, if you're fortunate enough to have church leadership that's going to hold people accountable, good on you. I personally have run into issues with that. And, you know, I've been in very difficult situations. And I'm like, hey, I I I need you to kind of do the whole accountability thing. I haven't been successful, not saying all churches don't enforce God's standards, and I'm not saying that they should be tyrants and just to be kicking people out of church left and right, but there has to be verbal conviction in some sense. Hey, you're calling yourself a Christian, but you're doing something that directly violates Scripture, and you're hurting this other person, so we really need to ask you to stop doing that, and we also have to figure out why are you doing that. So figure out the reason why and then help them stop doing that. Now, it goes further. If the church leadership can't solve the problem, then Jesus says, at that point, really, we've exhausted all options, and Jesus says to walk away. Now, again, it requires a caveat. Obviously, that instruction depends on whether it's a friend, a family member, or a spouse that's sinning against you. If someone, let's say a friend in this instance, won't stop treating you like junk or talking to you like junk, then walk away. That's where the tail end of the verses we went over in Matthew chapter 7, tie in. So at the tail end, I'm going to re-say it, Jesus says, Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's finish this idea, and then we'll be done for the day. The following information was taken from, yet again, a scholarly commentary. There's two things he says here in the context of the pearls before swine and attacking, etc., Number one, Jesus has reminded us that he did not mean to imply that the people of his kingdom suspend all discernment. They must discern that there are some good, precious things that should not be given to those who will receive them with contempt. Number two, Jesus also spoke in the context of correcting another brother or sister. Godly correction is a pearl. Though it may sting for a moment, that must not be cast before swine the swine are those who are determined not to receive the godly correction and accountability it takes humility to take criticism as a christian it takes humility and really you should be thankful when someone criticizes you you should be like oh gosh i didn't know i was doing that let me be less incompetent you know but again we're human beings pride gets in there and we're like oh man you know we get all bent out of shape because of our pride but it's really it's like hey you're sinning against me Here's what the Bible says. Please stop doing that. Be like, oh gosh, man, if we love each other like we're supposed to, we're going to say, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I had a bad day. Um, I broke my leg. My uncle died and I ran over my dog. I'm sorry. I'm just in a terrible mood. Please forgive me. And then we're commanded to forgive each other. So the person who was sinned against, it says, oh, it's no problem. I'm so sorry you're going through those losses. Let's pray together. And everything's good. That's what problem solving looks like when people don't have pride. Right. So, we need the accountability in the church body. We need it. We need it. We need it. It helps all of us get better and stay on track, right? Without accountability, without laws, without rules, without order. What is it? It's chaos. We need law and order. Biblical rules are the best rules to go by, period. Period. And they're not unreasonable. And it focuses on morals and ethics primarily. So, let's close the day with a short summary. Ten short summaries about judging others number one don't judge hypocritically take the log out of your face first or i should say we it's better to use that to speak that way we don't need to judge hypocritically and we need to take the log out of our face before we worry about the speck in our brother's eye right so the sin can't be present in our life if we're going to help someone towards repentance number two don't judge physically and it's someone's physical attributes don't make them good or bad Right? So that's not the focus in the context, again, of those verses with circumcision. Number three, we aren't supposed to judge or assume thoughts. Number four, we are not supposed to judge or assume intentions. Number five, we are not supposed to judge or assume the heart. Number six, don't pass judgment by acting as arbiters in matters of common life for others and we must remember that headship in a biblical home means to be the overseer of all matters in life that don't that doesn't really apply here or would violate other scripture right so being the arbiter or discerning between the matters of life is the responsibility of the head of the home right he's got to discern what goes on to make sure it's honorable and godly. So, regarding passing judgment, we're not supposed to act as arbiters in matters of common life for others who are, let's say, friends, family members, etc. Or it's, it's, it would be church body advice, right? Members of the church, etc. Number seven, don't condemn. Only Jesus decides who goes to hell and who gets the punishment laid out in Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. When we, again, just to clarify, when we sin, Against God, do we say, yes, God, please punish me? No, of course not. So we shouldn't condemn others because we don't want to be condemned, right? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Number eight, don't continue to offer your speech to people who treat it with contempt. And that's a brutal thing. That's the whole pearls before swine thing, right? Like if someone's, if you're offering your speech and someone's treating it with contempt, just pull back, just pull back. Number nine, godly correction is a pearl though it may sting for a moment, that must not be cast before swine, those who are determined not to receive it. That goes back to your speech, right? So the pearls before swine doesn't necessarily have to be godly correction, though godly correction falls under that. It's, It's not only your speech in general, but it's also godly accountability and correction. If anybody's treating either of those things with contempt, pull back. And I know I said this, um, a couple seconds ago, but I'm going to finish it with this idea. Again, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I'll offer a little bit of an expansive, um, I'll expand on it briefly. Justice is a judgment in order for justice to be served. There has to be a judgment. So if you hypothetically cut Christ, the judge in half, you've got half mercy and half justice. So the side of us and human beings have that too. Some, you know, I think, I think personally, this is my own opinion. I think men are tilted towards justice and I think women are tilted towards mercy. So if you look at like the perfect marriage really represents Christ, it's the balance of judgment and mercy, let's say, but for mercy to triumph over judgment, what that means is you're you're choosing grace and compassion as your primary course of action rather than making sure justice is served so justice is kind of tempered by mercy right because without mercy judgment can be and justice can it can break people so i know that was a lot of information today but this is one of those things where you have to hit it just exactly right you got to go through it piece by piece just right because if not You'll start judging things you're not supposed to judge or not judging the things you should be judging. So I hope this was helpful for everyone. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.